Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, October 9th, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And uh, the biggest news of the past 24 hours is that Mike Krzyzewski, Duke's Hall of Fame coach who doubles as the biggest voice in college basketball, he came out in support of California's Fair Pay for Play Act. NCAA President Mark Emmert doesn't like it, but Coach K is down with it. Norlander, you were in Charlotte. You talked to the GOAT yesterday at ACC Media Day. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mike Krzyzewski saying it is time for student-athletes to be able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. In fact, it might be a decade or two overdue. Yeah, I was surprised, Parrish, by how um, ad- advanced Shashevsky was in his thinking on this. Now, he has – he had I, – I did a little bit of research after we talked about this um, on Tuesday in Charlotte, and he has made reference to college players perhaps, you know – deserving more college basketball needing to do more the NCAA needing to do more to keep itself forward thinking but he has never even remotely come close to being as uh, clear uh, lucid long-winded on this topic as he was at ACC media day and the way that this all played out was he had a little what's called a breakout session so he's sitting at a little table uh, with his name next to it which is hilarious because someone tweeted out this is Mike Krzyzewski's 40th year coaching Duke. I don't think he needs the name card at the table, but it was a funny little observation there. So he's got like probably about 25 media members around him. And shouts to the media members who were checking out what was going on with Jack White and Javin Delorier as all this was going down. I hope you got a few good quotes here because uh, Krzyzewski started by saying, I'm going to have a statement on this, a formal statement that's going to be distributed at the end of this little session here. But I'll talk about this right now. I hope that I can talk about it as well as what I think I put to paper there. And in fact, what he said in that uh, media session and then what we followed up with him on HQGP was better than the than the written and prepared statement, in my opinion. Um, you have the most influential voice in college athletics, in my opinion, uh, speaking out. Uh, undeniably in favor of player empowerment. And he spoke to a lot of other bigger things. We can get to that in a second if you want. But this is extremely interestingly timed, given what we've got coming later this month uh, with the um, name, image, and likeness working group, what they're going to do, what they're going to present. When you have someone like Mike Krzyzewski saying players do deserve more college basketball and the NCAA and its leaders, we've had our head in the sand for too long. He's openly saying, I'm really happy what happened in California happened in California. By the end of the season, dozens of states, I expect to pass similar legislation, which is something that the NCAA wants no part of whatsoever. And so... On a day where I asked a lot of coaches and plenty of media members asked a lot of coaches to speak about NIL, which is what you ran into at Big Ten Media Day, GP, uh, I found it not necessarily surprising but particularly interesting that the second oldest coach there, only to Jim Beheim, who does not agree with Krzyzewski on this, by the way, um, was as emphatic as he was. It was extremely important for him to say what he said, how he said it, and it wasn't just one or two sentences. Parish, we've got paragraphs, and I don't need to directly quote. I've got a column up on the CBS Sports app on your phone or cbsports.com. You can go and check it out. Um, but, you know, he said, you know, we need to stay current with what's happening, and he's happy that this is pushing the envelope. So we're not going to re, you know, relitigate the whole SB206 and all that. We've done that on a previous podcast, but... Um, this is probably the most notable thing to happen in college athletics this week and probably will be the case until we get to the college football games on Saturday, GP. I just don't think that we can understate how important it is when Krzyzewski says what he says and he knows that when he says those things, they will not just be heard by Mark Emmert, but they will be heard by every university president who helps create the NCAA bylaws as we know it. And so I don't think that what he said will be without impact. I think it can have real tangible effect that we could come see to come to light later this month. You sort of touched on it. I believe Mike understands that his voice is bigger than anybody else's voice, that his words matter more than anybody else's words, at least in this sport. And um, he, he came to ACC Media Day uh, incredibly prepared, like uh, understanding of the fact that he's going to be asked about it and understanding of the fact that whatever he says, whatever he says is going to create big national headlines. Like we can, you know, talk to 
you know, 90% of college coaches about this topic and, you know, we could, we could talk to all of them and, and, and 90% of their, it's a little headline if it's a headline at all. But Mike Krzyzewski is, is, is going to be one that, that, that creates big national headlines that gets on the ticker on ESPN, CBS Sports Network, everywhere else. It sort of reminds me of, you ever watch him in a handshake line? I mean, we talked about this yeah. before. Um, He's very deliberate in the way he looks every player in the eyes, says something to them, shakes their hand as if he knows this person is going to remember the time they shook hands with Mike Krzyzewski. And so he wants it to to, to feel like a, a, a real moment. He recognizes who he is. Um, and uh, same thing here. I think he showed up at ACC Media Day recognizing um, that his voice, whatever he said, was going to, to matter. And he wanted to make sure... Um, he had his thoughts together and his 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 words grouped uh, properly. It's sort of the opposite of of what John Calipari did, who I think is another massive voice in the sport on on this and the other subject. You know, Kentucky had its media day, and John kind of punted on the topic um, for whatever reason. I'm not real sure, but it does seem. And you ran into this as ACC Media Day. I ran into it at Big Ten Media Day. The majority of coaches are either A, for this, or B, just understand it's just smart to say that you are, even if you're not, because the alternative is to to be against student-athletes, and most of them don't want any of that. But uh, like you said, Jim Beheim spoke yesterday on this. He didn't seem in favor of it. And then more famously in recent days, Mark Few at Gonzaga, uh, he didn't really speak out against the right. Fair Pay for Play Act, but he spent about a two-minute buildup talking about we should figure this out. We don't need politicians figuring it out. I love Mark more than anybody. It was not his finest two minutes, but but he, he landed at the right spot for whatever that's worth. He did land at the right spot. Um, we will give credit to our buddy Jeff Goodman, who did that interview with Mark Few at WCC Media Day. Um, and, yeah, Mark Few just he weaved into a certain lane while telling the governor of California to stay out of his lane. Unfortunately, oh, but, that but, is literally but, the job of governors and politicians is to get out of their own lanes and legislate for all kinds of people. What, ahead, by the way, how do you trick your employer to send you to WCC Media Day in Los Vegas and Cosmo. <laughs> Mark it down for next year, GP. Um, but Mark Few, I was. I know, I know if I ever end up at Stadium, I just go wherever I want to go. <laughs> oh man! So so. But point is that Mark Few, broadly speaking, agrees to a certain extent with what Mike Shashevsky put forth. But the way that he expressed that was obviously different. Um, I, I, okay. So you mentioned Bayheim. Roy Williams, I talked to him about it, and he was he. I'll say that Roy Williams was open to it, but was wishy washy when we talked to him one on one on CBS Sports HQ. He also had a quote. I was not in the room when this happened, um, where he basically says, "You know, this is a bunch of crap. No one knows what's going to happen." Like it was a typical Roy Williams. And then, in a completely egregious instance of hyperbole, he said it would be like giving him the nuclear codes, which is just, just ridiculous. <laughs> By the way, would you trust? Would you trust Roy Williams with the nuclear codes? I think that I would. Would you? Would you trust him? <laughs> Relative to who actually has the nuclear codes right now? Yes. <laughs> yes. So if, exactly. So if Roy's trying to make a certain I, point. I would, I would rather Roy Williams run our country right now. If you want to know the truth. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, uh, I actually like Roy was trying to make a point. He, he might have, uh, you know, stepped into uh, the kind of the opposite meaning of what he was going for there. Um, I will say, talk to Mike Bray about this on CBS Sports HQ, and he was not. At, he wasn't outright against it. But he's not all for it. He he is he is in disagreement with you in that he believes that there's going to be almost no value for all players there. Um, and he even made ref- I can't I don't know the name of the dealer in South Bend, but he even made reference to a dealership that I believe he currently has a deal with. He's like, no, no, that's that's my deal. Like they're not getting any of these Notre Dame players. They're not gonna they're not gonna sign them up for any kind of money. So, um, so I will note that. While most other coaches, Chris Mack admitted, you know, Norlander, if we talked five years ago, I was a 180 different on this, and I have changed. There's just way too much money in this sport. Uh, Mack was pretty 
pretty clear on it. And, you know, like all coaches says, you know, I don't have the full plan. I'd have to see the details. But I will give Matt credit for definitely being, I'd say, as aggressive on the issue as any coach not named Krzyzewski at ACC Media Day. But just a couple still not afraid to kind of speak out against it. Um, but that's all, I guess, you know, in the big picture immaterial. It's, it's Krzyzewski. What he said is the big story here. And the question becomes, will the people on the working group take it seriously? Because also, and I'll throw this back to you on this it would be like Mike Krzyzewski is very smart man it would be absolutely ludicrous for him to come out and have the kind of position uh that Jim Beheim would have when you consider who he coached specifically last season but also what he has turned Duke into and what Duke is and how Duke plays on national television GP literally more than almost any American sports team pro or college given the inventory of the games like Duke will be on CBS or ESPN almost every single game that it plays for the entire season. So he knows how he's gotten rich to the tunes of tens of millions of dollars. He really has no other proper ethical uh, position to stand on this than the one he did. Um, But it was refreshing to see how um, thorough he was in explaining his points and his philosophies on Tuesday. I want to touch on the point you made about Mike Bray, where he says, um, listen, these guys aren't going to be getting money from car lots, because it's a point I've made consistently that um, it's not trickle down, but you know what I mean. Like, you know, the quarterback at Notre Dame is going to have probably a national deal of some sort, but, you know, I do think a starting linebacker or a starting point guard is also going to have local deals at any place that cares about college athletics and where I think maybe we have a communication breakdown sometimes is that what what Mike is saying is that listen I've got to deal with a car lot it's worth whatever it's worth but the idea that my um, fourth leading score is going to also have a car deal like that's just not real life because the fourth like there's real there's no real value to that person like uh, put him on a billboard, who cares? And I get it if you are just focusing strictly like on it from that perspective. But the the point I've made is that when people say it will they're scared it will become a recruiting tool, I agree that it will become a recruiting tool. I'm just not scared of that because I don't care about it. But right now we know, we just know that boosters and other people who just love their favorite basketball team or football team, they are happy to just throw around money at this point for nothing. Like, it's not even like, hey, let me give you $5,000 to go on a billboard. It's just like, hey, let me give you $5,000 because you play for Notre Dame or because you play for Alabama or because you play for Kentucky or whatever. These rich people who love their school will just throw around money. And so when I say the fourth leading score – at a place like Notre Dame, we'll have a, a, an endorsement deal with a car lot. I don't mean that the, that person is going to have real tangible value to that car lot. What I mean is the guy who owns the car lot is just going to, you know, think it's cool to, to have a relationship with the fourth leading scorer on the basketball team and is going to be willing to pay him money to just come out to the place. And it will also become a thing that coaches – you know, either directly or indirectly, let it be known. Hey, listen, you know, here's what the fourth leading scorer on our team got last year. You know, you come to Notre Dame, that's the type of stuff that's going to be available to you. And so all of this stuff, it's not as simple as does that person actually have value? It's as simple as does that person have value and or are there people around the program who got tons of disposable income who just like to throw it around for decades illegally under this system, technically legally? I I don't disagree at all, and I think that some coaches use the kind of rhetoric that Bray was using as means to, I guess, uh, to play both sides of the issue and also protect themselves against this idea, and Beheim mentioned this as well, where... It it doesn't help their case. It doesn't help their scenario, their situations. GP, where if you do get to this point and you have a basketball locker room, and I know we touched on this briefly on last week's podcast, um, and you've got player A bringing in, let's just call it eighty thousand. Player B fifteen thousand. Player C a thousand, and then no one else any. Where that's going to create some sort of enmity within the locker room. Um, I don't think that's likely, to be honest. I'm not saying it won't. It's impossible that it won't happen. I'm sure it, it can happen uh, here and there, but I don't think that this kind of legislation is going to bring about uh, 
recurring issues within a locker room that aren't necessarily already there? I mean, if you talk to a given coach on January 20th every season, if you pick 10 out of the 353, uh, chances are five of them, will, if, they, if they're really honest with you, uh, they'll say, yeah, the locker room's kind of a mess right now, and it might be for reasons A, B, C, or D, and those reasons could still very well exist in 2023, 2027, or whenever. No, the, the issues in locker rooms are, you know, the, the, the small forwards banging the point guard's girlfriend. Like, that's the type of stuff that causes issues yeah. in the locker room. It would never be uh, because somebody's got a bigger endorsement deal than another player. Like, that's the point Jim Beheim made. Like, I talked to my players about it, and I said, hey, well, how are you going to feel if uh, so-and-so over here is making twenty five grand and, and you're not making anything? And, and Jim said, I don't think it would go over well. And... I, you know, again, I've made this point 50 times as recently as last week. I, I think it's a non-issue, if only because it's a non-issue at the professional level in every locker room or clubhouse or whatever. You know, Tom Brady makes more money than the uh, right guard for the New England Patriots. You know, I can take you back to the New York Mets. Robinson Cano made $21 million this year. Pete Alonso made 555000 you know. I, like, it's just sort of everybody understands, like, this is this is what I work for. And if 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 the Patriots can figure out how to deal with that issue and the Steelers can figure out how to deal with that issue and the Clippers and the Lakers and the Raptors can figure it out and the Yankees and the Royals and the Padres can figure it out, I'm just going to trust that college basketball teams will figure it out. I think that is a straw man argument that um, there's really no evidence to support it whatsoever. Um all right, can I do a few quick hits on ACC uh, teams, players, et cetera? You got anything else on what Kay said? Proceed. Okay, uh, just a few a few quick takeaways, man. We're getting closer to this. We are we are now what? So yesterday would have been four weeks exactly to start of the season. We're within a month. Um, the ACC did the unusual thing of not revealing its preseason player of the year, first team, second team, all that stuff at its media day. Instead, just having coaches and a couple players from each program come, and then uh, that will be revealed on Thursday. Um, in speaking with Krzyzewski, Tony Bennett, Roy Williams, Chris Mack, the four coaches at the four schools who are considered to be the four best programs this season in the ACC – um, got to talking to them, and then people around the league about why it's going to be an interesting year in the ACC GP, and I want to have you in a second reset where you have those four teams in your top 25 and one, which will tip the hand as to how you think the ACC will play out. I do think for the first time in over a half decade at least, we have, while a strong top of the conference GP, to me there is no... Uh, clear-cut front-runner. If you tell me any of those four teams, Duke, UNC, Virginia, Louisville, winds up winning the league, and any of the other combination go two, three, and four, I won't be surprised at all. I just don't think there's a lot of difference there, and I don't think that any of those four set up as a top three, top four team in the country, me personally. I think that, and maybe not even top five overall. Um, part of that's because the ACC, for the first time, and I learned this yesterday, the ACC, for the first time in its history, lost its uh, first team and second team end-of-season selections year over year. There's been a couple instances where they've had one guy return and have a holdover. This year, essentially, the 10 best players in the league a season ago are gone. And so with that, there is just more uncertainty about how good they will be at the top end when you don't have either just uh, you know, absolutely outrageously good freshman talent or seriously proven juniors or seniors that are coming back. You do have good players. You know, I think Trey Jones, Cole Anthony, and Jordan Wara will probably be the three that fight for player of the year. I don't think Virginia's going to have a guy that does that. I think Mamadidi Akite will be good. I think Kihei Clark will be good. I think Jay Huff is going to be awesome. But I don't see any of them fighting for player of the year. So, with that being said, we've already published our ACC preview at CBSSports.com. Parish, one, two, three, four, top of the league. How do you assort those four teams? And then from how you listed the league top to bottom, do you have a team in there that you would qualify as a, quote, sleeper in that they're projected to maybe not be a tournament team? You've got them in there, or you just got them a couple slots higher than maybe the general media public? Well, the top four, I think, is basically everybody's top four, and I've got them in this order. Duke, one, Louisville, two, Carolina, three. Virginia four and in terms of the top 25 and one I've got Duke at number two Louisville at number four Carolina at number eight and Virginia at number 10 so I've got four top 10 teams 
um, in the ACC. And I, I really do think that you could reasonably put them in in any order. Like, I, I don't think that – I mean, maybe you'd be really stretching it a bit to have Virginia number one, but you could just base it on, I believe, in Tony Bennett, so get out of my face. But the other three, North Carolina, Duke, Louisville, I think you could have them number one in the ACC totally reasonably because um, – you know, they've all got the type of roster that, that could do this with Duke obviously being the youngest of the bunch. I agree. Um, here's why I, I I don't have confidence in any of the teams at this point in being like top three, top four in the country. With Duke, um, I don't think the freshman class this season is as good as it was last season. I think Trey Jones can be awesome, but is he going to have uh, a jump shot this season? And can he be like the kind of totally put it on my shoulders kind of player, are they going to be missing that piece? I don't know. I just got to gotta wait and see. I, I definitely am admittedly probably the heaviest seller on Duke uh, of anyone you might come across in the national media. Louisville. Jordan War is a really good player. Louisville hit this weird wall last season, Parrish, where they suddenly could not stop turning the ball over. Um, they just didn't seem to be a team that um, handled tough games well. Can they get over that? Uh, I like their athleticism, their length. I think they can They can be really good. Like I think they're going to be a top-10 team, but I'm just not convinced that they are totally well-rounded enough to be in that top five. With Carolina, uh, Cole Anthony will probably be their only legitimate three-point shooter, um, and how legitimate remains to be seen. So if they don't have an outside attack, um, and he is not the kind of guy that many are expecting him to be, and that, by that I mean like, 20 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds kind of deal, and, and probably be playing like 90% of the available minutes for UNC if, he, if his uh, body can handle that. I think that's a potential weakness for them. And Carolina, by the way, lost its top five scorers. That's never happened in the Roy Williams era. It's probably never happened in program history considering what, what it used to be unless you were starting uh, five seniors back in the day. So the change over there might be interesting. And then Virginia... They also don't have proven perimeter attack at this point, and um, while I'm all aboard that Jay Huff bus, he's going to have to really like bring it up two or three other notches there. So I just think there's reasonable doubt in the big picture with all those four teams, but I do think it'll be fascinating. Um, and then NC State's kind of considered that fifth team, and I don't know if you've got them there or not, but there is a noticeable gap. Who would be, just to circle back to the other part of my question there, I mean, I'm looking at your picks right now, so I know who the pick is, and we, I guess we agree with it, uh, but who would be that team that you have as the sleeper in the league? I don't even know that I would identify somebody as a sleeper, because to me, somebody a sleeper is somebody people have projected in the bottom half of the league that could actually sneak up and compete for a league title or in the top two. And I really, you know, when you draw the line there, so okay. let's let's draw the line around seven or so. Uh, do I really think Miami, Syracuse, Clemson, Pitt, BC, Georgia Tech, Wake, or Virginia Tech are going to compete at the top of the ACC? I, I don't. I do believe that there's a clear-cut top four. I, after that, I have NC State as a not clear-cut number five, but but I, I that's where I would have them, just ahead of Notre Dame, Florida State. I, I, I guess I'd put it this way. I think the top of the league in some order is going to look exactly like we think, and I think the bottom of the league in some order is going to look like we think. Well, I was trying to lead you there. I figured you were going to say Notre Dame because it was a 14-19 and 19 team from a season ago, and it was the worst uh, season of Bray's career, 20, 20 years at Notre Dame. Now, may, like I'm high on them as well, but um, – and, and and now that I'm looking at it, I think we had Chip put them high as well. They they aren't like they are not. I don't think they're considered to be like top six material in the ACC this season by the majority there. But they're the only program GP that brings back all five starters. Um, we're in the process of building out our top 101 players, and I gotta figure John Mooney's gonna factor into this pretty soon in the process of where we're at and plus like Prentice Hub, TJ Gibbs, good players, Rex Fluger's back. So I thought you were gonna say no Daniel. I think that's the I, I think that's the answer, but as far as you're concerned, you just you're buying into the fact that they bring back five starters and should set up as like a top six team so that they wouldn't be a sleeper from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I've got them sixth, right behind NC State. So I don't, I don't think it's that much of a sleeper to see them pick, you know, finishing second or third or something uh, like that. But um, again, Duke, Louisville, Carolina, Virginia probably got to be the top four in some order. And Louisville, uh, you know, they they bring back a lot of pieces from an NCAA tournament team. Those are usually the type of teams we think are going to be good. But you know, Chris Mack pointed this out yesterday. You know, they finished two and six last eight games. It's not like they 
Yeah. Close. Now that, you know, you look at the losses, I think really the only head scratcher on there was a Boston College loss. Like the other ones, you know, they lost to the national champs, so on and so forth. But it's, you know, I, I'm always, I don't know, interested to see if the teams, if good teams that return basically everybody can make the jump to great or if they just stay good. You know, I think that was a question about Tennessee last year. You know, they were really, they were a really good team. Can they go from really good to great by bringing everybody back? And I think they did. I mean, I know they didn't go to a Final Four, but I think Tennessee was 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 genuinely great for the most part last season. Now, can Louisville, which was a good team, can it take the jump to great? I've got them preseason top five, so I'm saying yes. But um, I could understand if somebody was trying to argue the other side. All right, good deal, man. Well, um, we'll wait and see. I think the ACC's got a shot at being the best league in the country if the bottom half can play up. Uh, we wait and see on that. But until then, hey, are we actually supposed to believe that the implementation of stripper poles and money guns was not on Kansas's radar? We're going to get to that right after this. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bad. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. So, Late Night at the Fog was on Friday night, and we knew going in that Snoop Dogg, D-O-double-G, was going to perform. Um, we did not know that it would include strippers, or at least um, <laughs> acrobatic dancers. Thank you. Let's, can we please be, let's, let's be accurate for the matter of the record here. Acrobatic dancers perish. <laughs> acrobatic dancers on stripper poles, or what appeared to be stripper pole ish um and they had a money gun they were shooting cash at their basketball hold on uh, well i know so you are getting right into how i want to get some definitions at the start of this this is an incredible story is it a stripper pole if a stripper is not utilizing it i think so you think, think so because it could like just if, be a pole yeah no well it's a stripper like well i could hand you a baseball bat and even if you're not a baseball player it's still a baseball bat okay so we think we think what was part of the uh, the stage setup, the props. All right, so we're gonna go with those were stripper poles. I'm not I'm not necessarily disagreeing. I just want to get this down as a matter of the record. That's all. I think I I think I knocked that argument out of the park pretty quickly off the top of my head. Yeah, I, if I I'm holding a baseball, baseball bat, bat, even if you're not a baseball player, it's still a baseball bat. Similarly, if you're on a stripper pole, it doesn't matter whether you're a stripper or not. That's a stripper pole. You're on a stripper pole. Okay. Well, where but a baseball bat, generally speaking, you know, we're not even going down this road. Okay. So um, so they, what they on a stripper pole with a baseball exactly, bat. I always guess yeah, that's what's going. Um. And they had the money guns, but hold on. Can we? I want. Let's rewind here because we're gonna get. We gotta break this whole thing down. We didn't talk about on the podcast the fact. I don't think we did. The fact that the promotion for this event. Okay. So, you saw the video, of course. This of course. was less than. This was twelve days ago that this video was posted on the Kansas official men's basketball Twitter account. When it gets posted, I need your. I need your theories on this, Parish. So when it gets posted, and it's. Undeniably an amazing video. It is a slow-mo, Bill Self-Strut, black and white, wearing a shirt with the biggest... I don't think that you can find a shirt with a bigger Adidas logo on it in the known universe, okay? 
He's going into the record store. They're promoting Late Night in the Fog. Snoop Dogg's going to be there. He's got the money chain. He's dapped out. Perish. When that's published, we are four days removed from the public knowing that the, the NOA has been served at Kansas. So do you think which, – which of these scenarios do you think happened? Do you think they got the NOA and then they said – we're filming this anyway. Who gives an F? We're doing this. Or do you think they might have filmed it two weeks prior, got the NOA and said, we've already got the production done. We don't give an F. We're doing it anyway. Because I'm fascinated by the idea that Kansas gets you know, locked in this serious issue. Like Bill Self is going to be suspended. Postseason ban could be on the table. And then they drop this video. So before we even get to Snoop Dogg getting to Allen Fieldhouse, I need to know what you think about the process of that video and what went through to even publishing in the first place because it was the harbinger of obviously the uh, horrible things for Kansas to come. It was um, so over the top that I have to believe it was in response to the notice of allegations. I mean, it, it, like to your point, Bill Self has – I would argue 50 different Kansas tops he could wear. Polos, white shirts with KU on it, blue shirts, red shirts. I'm like it's for him to pick the shirt with like you said, perhaps the biggest Adidas basketball. It doesn't even say Kansas. It says Adidas <laughs> basketball. After a note like 4 days after a notice of allegations arrives, accusing Adidas basketball of buying players for you in a way that's going to cost you a Final Four, cost you wins, ding your reputation, probably in, uh, lead to a suspension. You're in the biggest Adidas basketball shirt. I, I just I don't think that's an accident. I, if, it, if it were just like a Kansas shirt and he's wearing the chains and he's getting a Snoop Dogg album, maybe. But the Adidas basketball thing, I think, just puts it completely over the top. Just I, I, Honestly, it was incredible. And when it was posted and – you know, we heard if this was Sean Miller, actually, I wish Sean Miller would do something like this, but Sean Miller doesn't have it in him to do it. But picturing Sean Miller doing something similar, uh, by the way, uh, Arizona had its midnight madness festivity, if you will, on the same night as Kansas. And it's a really good thing for Arizona. Uh, GP, I'm betting you did not even know that happened. Did you even know that Arizona's was the same night as Kansas? No idea. No idea, right? And I didn't know it until I learned of it Tuesday morning. So um, that's a, if you're Arizona, you want to be doing this on the, on the DL as much as possible, and Kansas is the exact opposite there. Okay. So they have Snoop Dogg in the house, which is, by the way, a great get and something that everyone that's attending Kansas is like. If you're in uh, – that's an awesome thing to have. Can we, be, can we just be clear on this? getting Snoop Dogg is like one of the ultimate gets you could get. To me, Snoop Dogg's better than anyone that Memphis had at its. Like, I'm taking Snoop well, Dogg over future, yeah, well, money bag, yo, get him out of here. I want Snoop every single time. Well, here's the thing. Snoop is going to appeal, I think, to both, to, to everybody. Like, everybody in the stands, like anybody my age or your age, like, we grew up with Snoop. Like, those are hits. You know them. So... Um, like when a little baby walks out on FedEx Forum Court, the the forty seven year old mom <laughs> sitting on the fourth row doesn't know what's happening, right? Like they might recognize future, but yeah. like they won't understand future. <laughs> so like everybody knows every word to every Snoop Dogg hit, and 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 then the young people, even if they ain't waiting for a new Snoop album, like they understand that Snoop. They understand like once upon a time that guy was a big deal. Snoop is. St I don't want to speak for young people. I think Snoop is still cool to young people. Even if young people aren't listening to him, they know that they know he's a thing. Is that fair? It is fair. It is fair. Um, without a doubt. And so now you've got him, you know, he's the it's the culmination of Late Night in the Fog, which, by the way, is always like they they put a ton of effort into it just in terms of the entertainment, the presentation of all of it. Like some schools are like, all right, we'll do a dunk contest, a funny skit with the freshmen and all this stuff like that. But with Kansas, it's always like a, it's, it's usually a cut above because obviously the program means so much to that community. And then, so all this goes down. You've got, I mean, the, the vision of, of a school embroiled in one of the most important cases in NCAA history parish. And you've got money guns going off acrobatic dancers uh it's just 
it's incredible. I, th- I really think this is one of the best stories of the year in college sports. And then after the fact, I mean, it's a, just it's a total joke. Like, apparently Bill Self was not on the floor when the money guns were getting sh- uh, shot off and fired at the players in the crowd. Fake money, of course, of course. Um, but Kansas to be like, we didn't know what, you know, what we did not understand that this was going to be part of the act. We deeply apologize. You've got Jeff Long putting out this apologetic statement. Meanwhile... Did you see the mean mug of Jeff Long back to back with Snoop Dogg, like as promotion in advance of the of the thing? Did you see this photo? No. Oh my god. <laughs> it's it. I want you to picture, you know, a, a a white athletic director in his fifties trying to mean mug with a with a hip hop artist in your mind right now, and it is exactly that. You have you have to find this. Photo. It, it was put out by the I, I believe the Kansas official basketball account on Twitter. I bet you it's long since been deleted. But someone shared it like the morning after on Saturday, and I was like, "This is just too." Oh, incredible. I got it. I you got it. it. Look at that. It's ridiculous. It's so good and so bad, um, but just it, it's just too rich. It is dr- it is just dripping uh, in irony, if you will, that Kansas, which already played victim with all the other FBI stuff, you know, and then signs up with Adidas gets this Snoop Dogg stuff, has this huge apology for it because they know it's just a horrible look. It's hilarious, but it's a horrible look. And now they're dealing with all this. And I'll say this. I had a a few people, coaches and others, come up at ACC Media Day, and they didn't want to talk about name, image, and likeness. They didn't want to talk about the top four teams in the ACC or whatever. Their their basic words were, what the hell is Kansas doing? What the hell is Kansas doing or – What's Bill Self thinking? Like, this has become an even bigger embarrassment for Kansas to the point where, while we can laugh about it, I get all that, um, there are men that went to jail for this, okay? It, it is a serious issue, and you've got a university and a coach that had extremely strong statements that ran counter to what the NCAA put out in its NOA, and now you have this, and people, while people will say, hey, man, I like Bill Self, now it's just reached a point where they're like, you have this, man, like... That program has it coming to them. They should have a minimum postseason, one-year postseason ban, and all this. So it, uh, it, it's easy to mock, but it is, it has actually caused like genuine like WTFness around college basketball, and I found that interesting as well. Well, it's it's another reminder that the whole defense, or you know, not defense, but the the whole the way the government built the case against Jim Gatto and and Merle Code. By talking about their defraud, they defrauded Kansas. Like the case right now, according to Kansas's official position, is that Adidas basketball, specifically TJ Gasnola, got us in all this trouble. We didn't know what he was doing, and if we'd have ever known, we'd have stopped it. And if not for Adidas basketball, we wouldn't even be in this situation. That's their official stance. And then Bill Sells rocking an Adidas basketball shirt. Like, come on, if with the really money chain, with the money chain. With the with the chain, oh, it's ridiculous. All right, so 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 there's that, and you know it's just like Snoop has subsequently said. Like, what what did you think you were getting? Like who did you think was showing up? Like I'm I'm Snoop. Hey, now, say that say the exact quote as as he presented it because that's that's the best line. When you pay for Snoop Dogg, you get Snoop Dogg. That's right. You're gonna get Snoop Dogg right. as it's, you should. It's funny. It, it's funny. Like <laughs> Bill. Uh, at this point, like in a, in a, the past year, Bill has been shocked that TJ Gasnola was maybe buying players and shocked that Snoop Dogg was maybe going to put on a slightly inappropriate show. <laughs> Bill, Bill has to constantly come out and be like, that old TJ Gasnola, he had me fooled. It's like, no, he had nobody fooled. No, nobody was fooled by TJ Gas. Everybody knows exactly what TJ is. That old Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Boy, did he he blew my mind! Like what? <laughs> like that's exa- that's exactly what I would assume. Like he uh, beat a murder charge for crying out loud! I know. Oh <laughs> like, my gosh! Like, people forget that because like Snoop's so lovable now. He was facing a murder charge. Yep. Someone <laughs> mentioned that to me actually specifically yesterday, and 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 how they found the whole thing like funny yet sad yet like Kansas was a joke for everything they went through. Yeah, I know. It's just it's you. It, I'm I'm always surprised, yet never sh- should be surprised at the kind of stories and events we get. This is 
absurd. Credit for Kansas for booking Snoop. How much do we think Snoop costs, by the way? What's your? I'm going to say for that kind of event, all told, what two hundred thousand? What do you think? What do you think no, the bill was? It can't be two hundred thousand for thirty minutes. But it, uh, bringing the bringing the poles, acrobatic <laughs> dancers, money guns. I'd say you could get that done for. Less than a hundred? There's no way Snoop is taking a gig for less than six figures. That's not happening. There's no way. You know what? I need, <laughs> we have to have the answer for this. I need enterprising Kansas beat writers to file a Freedom of Information Act because that's going to be on the books. We need to find out eventually how much that is. So you're saying what? Like you think it's ninety? I don't think it's ninety. I'd say, I'd say seventy-five grand in a private plane back and forth. Okay, factor in the private plane. Maybe. I don't think Snoop's taking a gig for less than 100 Gs. I don't know. Ain't nothing but like, 100 Gs. I, I know thing. when Memphis like gets Future and Lil Baby, they have to send a plane to Atlanta. Okay. They'll, they'll send a private plane down and get them, bring them back, take them, whatever. So I would say private plane and 75 grand for 30 for 30 minutes. But I, but let me also say I have no idea. It could be 150. I have, I have, I have no context. But um, – It'll be on the books, yeah. Like if some Kansas beat writer wanted to figure it out, I'm I'm certain that he or she, um, he or she could. I mean, but like the money guns, I I mean, like, do you realize the NCAA believes that you were prov- somebody was providing cash to Silvio D'Souza's people to get Silvio D'Souza to enroll at at Kansas? Like that's a thing. And you're shooting fake money at him inside <laughs> Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, it's the funny. And by let let me it's be clear, hilarious. I am a hundred percent rooting for Kansas to go undefeated. <laughs> like, like there is no there is no more perfect college basketball story than Kansas. Like, uh, is it Kansas Duke in the Champions Classic? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. Off the top of my head, I don't know who they play. I, I think it is Kansas. Like Kansas just destroy Duke the way Duke destroyed Kentucky last year, and then just go undefeated. <laughs> just just go undefeated and win the national championship with Bill Self rocking gold chains. Because I've had coaches ask me like, and these are guys who are, who are friends with Bill. They're like, what is what is he doing? <laughs> and same thing you're in. And it feels like they've told them like, yo, you got eight months to live. Live it up, like hey, hey, this is this is going. The bottom's about to fall out of this thing. Like you're you're gonna be suspended. We're gonna be scholarship postseason banned. Like like a storm is on the way, and it's a hundred percent gonna hit us. So like, just have fun in the meantime. And it sounds like he's just trying to have fun in the meantime. Just incredible, man. Just what what a visual, what a story, what a response, what a joke of a response then from Kansas thereafter. Um. All right, I, since we are on the topic of Snoop Dogg, um, I wanted you to – I'm going to give you a few hip-hop artists, and I want you to rank them in order of your preference, okay? Mm-hmm. These are not – these. I kept it to the 90s, okay? So these are these are guys who kind of made it big in the 90s, fairly mainstream just to keep it, you know, keep it easy on you. Uh, I, will, I will say this. Okay. I am weird in the sense that I listen to more hip-hop in my 40s than I listen to – you know, when I was 19, 20, 21 years old. Really? I think that's probably true. I, I mean, you definitely listened to a ton of, of hip-hop, um, but I didn't know that it was something that you came to later in life, that's all. So Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I listen. I, I grew up with Snoop and, you know, Ice Cube and NWA and all of that stuff. But, like, I didn't have, uh, you know, so-and-so's mixtape that he was selling out of his trunk. Like, I didn't really deal with that when I was in my 20s. Okay, fair enough. All right, so I think... One of them kind of crosses over 90s into early 2000s, but plenty would argue that his best records were in the 90s. So the the, the fifth one I'll mention here is is the one that kind of uh, straddles the line. Same, like Eminem's not listed, but to me Eminem was right along that cut line, so I kind of put him more early 2000s. So here are the five. Rank them in order of preference. Uh, Snoop Dogg. Okay. Tupac. Okay. Biggie. Nas. Okay. And then... The one that's kind of right there is Jay-Z. Well, I'd go Jay. Jay is your number one of those five. Okay. Yeah, because I'm more familiar with his okay. work. Um, uh, then two, we'll go Tupac 2. Okay. We'll go Biggie, Nas, Snoop. Biggie, Nas, and Snoop last. 
Okay. Not bad. I, he, like, Snoop's got bigger hits than some of them. Like, Snoop's got bigger hits than Nas, right? Yes, without a okay. doubt. But nobody thinks Snoop's more talented than Nas. Mm, that's correct. And just because he's not considered more talented doesn't mean that, you know, you can't like one versus the other. Um, that's definitely that's definitely true. Um I didn't throw in Dr. Dre, uh, but he might have my favorite record of all of them. But he's like hip hop artist, and he got into you know a lot of production there. He's one you could also put in there. Um, I would rank them. To me, it's Biggie by far and away number one. Um, just think he's got the best songs, has the best flow. Think he's it was a great lyrical writer. I would go Biggie one. I think Snoop is two um, because. While all of those artists and plenty of others, you know, shouts to Rakim, um, have distinct flows about them, just the way that they are able to to, to write songs, to rap, uh, the way they sound, to me, there is no more distinct hip-hop artist in just the way that he sounds when he is rapping in the history of the genre, to me, than Snoop Dogg. Um, and I've always liked the way that he sounds. So I'd go Biggie 1, Snoop 2... I'd go Tupac three, and it's a close three. And then, to me, it's a little bit of a drop-off. I would say J4 and Nas five, but that's only because I never, like, really got into Nas. Like, I tried, but it, and I'm not, like, the biggest hip-hop head by any means, but, you know, a child of the 90s, there's no doubt about it. Like, it, it got into my life in a really good way. Uh, but for me, Nas would be a fifth, and I would even put Nas behind, say, like, a Dr. Dre. And there are definitely... Like hardcore hip hop heads that are like, you are out of your mind, you white boy from the northeast, having Nas that low. But for me, he's just the he's the only one of those who I just never, I never, I never click with. But for sure, the 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 two that I still play like frequently, I still listen to a lot of Biggie and still listen to plenty of Snoop. Um, like if you were, so I'm 42 years old, so like you know, Snoop becomes a big thing. Like when I'm freshman, sophomore year in high school, I mean, I had, to, I had to look at the years, but that's my memory of it at least. And like, it's it's impossible to overstate how big he was. Not like not only did everybody know Snoop, everybody knew every word to every Snoop song. Yeah, yeah, like every word, every word to every Snoop song. And that's why you know putting him in something like Allen Fieldhouse in 2019, you know, despite all the you know the stuff that went down, um, it's it actually works because you know you. I mean, let's be honest. It's it's going to be sixteen thousand mostly white people of uh, of older white people. That that's who's there, and old white people love Snoop Dogg still to this day, right? Uh, it's it's yeah, and that's a, that's that's a great thing, by the way. Just the fact that you know the genre was born in the late seventies, New York City, and then Snoop and Tupac really brought like a lot of the West Coast influence there. Um, and yeah, it continues. Uh, it continues to expand out. Okay, one more extension off of this because I know we have plenty of listeners that probably enjoy this part of the discussion there. So if you inserted, I was uh, thinking we probably have listeners that don't, but we pre- we definitely have listeners that do because this is the most popular genre in music, like uh, fifteen plus years going here. So if you if I just threw in, let's throw in, let's throw in Wu Tang, let's throw in Tribe. Throw in Outcast. Throw in Beastie Boys. And throw in NWA. I'm thinking off the top of my head here. If you throw in those five, would you take any of those five over uh any like over Jay or over Tupac? Mm, no. Oh wow. Oh, for me it's the opposite. Like, I would definitely take Tribe and Wu Tang. And outcast over probably any of the individual artists, yeah, for sure. And maybe, yeah. Nah, I like Biggie more than Beastie Boys, but it's close. Really? Right. Who's your favorite it, of the? Uh, okay, so do, do are, are any of those groups? Do you are you more of like? Because I know you know you like we like our Run the Jewels and all that stuff, and I like you know, like Pusha T and all that. But it, are you are you just more of an individual hip hop artist kind of guy as opposed to uh, group collaborations? No, like I uh, like I like Run the Jewels. The Watch the Throne album I thought was terrific. That's Jay and Kanye. So I'm not against like a hip hop duo or group or whatever. But I would take uh, I would take Jay. The question was, would you take Jay and Tupac over any of those? And the answer is yes to that. I okay. would take all five of the initial ones over 
you know, like NWA was a big deal, you know, in my, you know, you, yeah. th- again, like everybody knew every word, even like white kids from Mississippi, like everybody knew every word um, to that album. So I certainly listened to more of that than I listened to a lot of this other stuff. I dig it, man. Hey, listen, I, you know, like floating into a little of the music conversation and Snoop Dogg, open the door, man. One of the, seriously though, that's really one of the best doors of the year. Like it, it's got <laughs> just. I we're going to look back and be like, we can't believe that actually happened there. So um, I did think just to wrap this back to, to sure. that situation, um, you know, like it, it could it could back be counterproductive. Like ultimately, you're going to be punished by humans and they're humans who like know how you try to throw Adidas basketball back in their face with a video. Uh, they're humans who know you had a you seem to be taking the situation um, uh, so not seriously Mm-hmm. Uh, that that you're just shooting money guns at <laughs> at your madness event. I mean, really, you know, within a couple of weeks of of the NCAA, uh, you know, uh, uh, levying serious allegations against you. So if I were in charge, I would have said, "Nah, let's stay away from all of this stuff." Yeah. Uh, but clearly, they've taken another approach, and I will say their approach is is more entertaining it, than it, what my approach would be. It is entertaining, and I'll just wrap with this. Um, it it'll, it would be really interesting to hear the conversations, GP, because what the video and then Snoop Dogg coming and the money guns and the polls and all that stuff, you're not breaking NCAA rules, but you're exacerbating the issue. So will the NCAA, in a moment where it knows it needs to it needs to come down hard and present these huge penalties? I mean, we look what happened to Georgia Tech. Will it use that against Kansas? Um, and will Kansas try and fight back? I'd be because to me, if you're if you're an NCAA committee on infractions member. There's no way if you're trying to make a message like you don't respond in kind to what Kansas did here. But uh, is that allowable uh, within you know the new rules and bylaws when it comes to, uh, to punishing that stuff? It's it is actually is it's a fascinating discussion. Like jokes aside, there because you would think that it could potentially worsen things. It doesn't make things better. But will the NCAA and those in charge be able to you know further punishment based off of what Kansas? publicly did like just completely disregarding like you can't say that what bill self did in that video and bringing snoop in wasn't something of a middle finger to the ncaa that's all yeah well, I and mean, people like in in the same month or couple of weeks in which the ncaa has basically labeled you publicly a rogue program to then have stripper poles dancers and money guns just sort of play and your head coach wearing an adidas basketball shirt with gold chains it just sort of it's almost like you're, the perception, at the very least, is that you're doubling down on being a rogue program, being an outlaw. And I just don't know how that's going to play uh, with the NCAA people who are ultimately going to decide how severely you're punished. Perhaps it will have no impact, but I would, uh, I would assume that it, it, it probably will. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Shouts to South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. And remember, subscribe to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, wherever uh, you get podcasts, uh, most notably Apple Podcasts. While you're there, and it really just takes a click, 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 like you're subscribed. It's very easy. Matter of seconds. While you're there, rate it favorably five stars. Leave a nice comment, and we will be back next week. We'll do it again. Until then, take care.